What up, guys? Welcome to episode one of the season one of the Nadia Marketer podcast. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about TikTok's beef with the U.S. administration. Also, IKEA using CGI models for the latest marketing campaign in Japan. Facebook removal of the 20% limit on the ad's creative text. And of course, the Amazon's hardware event. So stick around, you won't regret it. Not your marketer, Alberto Limpira, aka LMP. So as I mentioned, this is the episode one, first episode of the of the podcast. In this show, I'm going to be talking about uh, the latest news and trends in business, marketing, and tech. I'm I'm also going to share about share my experiences and opinions on whatever is making up the headlines. And without any further ado, let's begin with uh, the headlines. So TikTok's future is still on hold, at least on the U.S. So ByteDance, TikTok's parent company, is waiting for the Beijing's Municipal Bureau of Commerce approval for an exporting license that will help them to seal the deal with Oracle and Walmart in the U.S. As, as you may know, uh, they reached a deal where they wanted to reach a deal uh, where Oracle and Walmart will take over of the U.S. operation of the company uh, as, uh, well, as one of the things that uh, the Trump administration uh, asked Biden's for them to do, to comply with uh, in order to keep, well, having the, the app available in, in the app stores in the U.S. Meanwhile, a federal judge has asked the U.S. government whether it will delay an upcoming ban on the video sharing app uh, or defend its policies uh, in the court over the weekend. Also, everything, all this comes when TikTok believed that even a temporary disruption of the availability of the apps in the U.S. market will harm severely uh, their business in the coming month. So also, um, this is something, I mean, probably this is just going to be a hiccup that will not translate into a real issue. But remember that TikTok opened the self-serve advertising platform for everyone on the, on, on TikTok uh, a few weeks ago. And this happens as in 2020, according to eMarketer, uh, TikTok user base in the U.S. was expected to reach over 50 million users. So uh, how does this affect the marketer? So one of the things that you have to keep in mind is that you cannot rely on just one medium to connect with your audience. Also, you have to be sure that your content is not going to be only confined in one place. I mean, if you have content only on one social platform or any other digital uh, platform and it gets shut down, Obviously, it's going to harm harm your your reach, and it's going to harm the way you reach your uh, customers. Okay, so uh, it cannot depend on only on one channel to communicate. Uh, nevertheless, when you're, so, I mean, this is one of the cases of maybe you're too big to fall, right? 
But um, with that being said, I think that it's safe for all of us to think about just, I mean, you have to diversify your way of connecting with uh, customers. We will have to wait and see to know whatever uh, comes to an end, how this comes to an end, okay? So the next headline, uh, it's about IKEA Japan's using a CGI model, influencer model, uh, called IMA in its latest ad campaign. So, well, not so much. I mean, before continuing, CGI stands for computer-generated image, okay? Uh, and this has been used for by video game production companies and movie studios like Pixar to animate uh, non-real characters, okay? So Imma, this fictional character, lived, influencer, lived in a Nike, a tiny apartment uh, decorated by IKEA furniture. Uh, in the meantime, she was taking pictures and sharing it and posting it in on Instagram uh, just to document uh, her life. So all this was shared on large LCD screens in the, in the newest store, IKEA store, in the Harajuku district in Tokyo. Um, I mean, this could be re really awesome, right? But the fact is that it's not entirely true. The fact is that uh, what they did was to transpose a CGI uh, of, a, of a woman onto the real head of a live action character, I mean, of an actor or actress. Um, and as, as, as a fact, this real action ha model had to live for three days inside that tiny IKEA apartment uh, to, in order to, I mean, for the, for the campaign to be recorded. But, uh, I mean, what do you think about this? Is this, I mean, this can pose a great opportunity for companies to create, if you imagine you can create ad hoc uh, versions of whatever you do, in your marketing material, uh, depending on the region. I mean, you could put uh, transpose the image of a nation kind of uh, person, or maybe if you're doing that, uh, running the same campaign in Latin America, you can have uh, a different one. Or if you're doing that in the Scandinavian countries, you can well, you can just transpose uh, a more uh, common kind of uh, people uh, or face. Uh, for, for each of those markets uh, without being biased or anything else. I mean, it's just another thing that you can do. Uh, also, uh, one question that comes to mind is, do model or actors uh, get paid less because they don't, I mean, the identity is not revealed on those uh, ads or commercials? I mean, this is a question that we, we may ask ourselves. The truth, the truth is, is that this is a trend that IKEA has been working on for quite a long time. Uh, as a matter of fact, in their in their catalogs, they have not been using real furniture in some cases. Is everything CGI? I mean, with the exact measurements and so forth. But this is something that allows them to uh, reduce cost and to create more appealing material because you can you can adapt everything. Okay. So this is just, I mean, it's just like the case of, I mean, this is a very famous case study, uh, the United Colors of Manhattan, where they manufacture everything in one color and they just uh, paint it or tint it uh, 
the, the 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 clothing, depending on whatever whichever whatever colors are are going to be trending in in each season. Uh, this is kind of the same, but we can believe or think that it's going to be more sustainable and eco-friendly because you don't have to actually manufacture, transport everything, whatever uh, those furniture. Uh, or in this case, you don't have to perform the same uh, production for all your markets. You can just record one and everything can be just replaced by CGI, which is kind of awesome if you think about it. So the next headline, which is for advertisers, uh, it's kind of digital advertiser is kind of interesting and huge. It's about Facebook. Facebook removed its famous or infamous 20% text uh, threshold on ads creative. If you didn't, if you didn't know that, uh, Facebook didn't allow. I mean, it allowed it, but it penalized it. Um, to have more than 20% text on any creative that you used on Facebook ads, Facebook or Instagram ads, okay? So whenever you had more than 20% text, what happened was that your reach will, will be way lower than, than what, I mean, that it, what it should be, uh, should, shouldn't you have to more than 20% text? But also it's, uh, the results would uh, cost we're going to be raising, okay, as a penalty. For, for using more, I mean, too much text on images. So this, I mean, in, in the very basics, it was a very, um, let's say that it, that it was a meaningful and it, I think it was uh, the right decision at the time because they didn't want uh, advertisers to abuse about having and putting too much text on images and videos. But in practice, uh, it was really painful for us advertisers um, because sometimes you needed to add text. And even if you, if it was not so many words, but it was about this actual space, the real state that you used with those uh, words that accounted for the 20%. So you can just uh, try to overlay a, a, a one word. And if it was in large bold text it would it would count it would it would have count uh, as more than 20% text and it would hurt the performance of your campaign so um what comes next what could we expect uh, as marketers for happen from now on so there could be a wave of uh, heavy text images uh, from advertisers that have used about that, which is the dust. I, I don't think is necessarily bad because if you just want to convey a message, I mean, there's so many things going on on the customer's mind and your audience mind every second that the easier, uh, the less effort the user has to make in order to get your message, the better that is going to be for you. So, uh, if you can just use the real state of the image for your for your best purposes, I think it's going to be useful for some people. Uh, but I think at the end, we will have to wait and see how both advertisers and users respond to whatever, uh, I mean, whatever get published and, and advertised on the platform from now on. But nevertheless, these opens, a door to a more, I think, 
I would say it would be more a free way of doing advertising, okay, with less uh, restrictions in a moment where you, we have a lot of restriction already for advertise, especially if you do, I have, I had an experience. We had an experience uh, last year with an with a client that uh, ran advertise uh, advertisements on social issues. I mean, it was for a good cause, but as we were mentioning specific critical social issues, it was really hard for us to get the best performing and you have to apply to get certified and to get approved in order to do that. So we already have a lot of restrictions, especially in Facebook pl uh, platform for doing ads. Uh, so everything that makes it more flexible and open, I think is going to be more than welcome by advertisers and publishers. Now it's up to us to do the best use uh, we can of that opportunity because if not, what we are going to do is to harm uh, the the attention span of our audience, of the users, and that will return transform or translate into having less, I mean, worse performing campaigns, and it's going to hurt. At the end of the day, it's going to hurt uh, and backfires uh, backfire at us. Okay, so. Last headline today, it's about Amazon. Amazon had this week uh, its hardware event where uh, it launched uh, new Echoes uh, devices, Ring devices, and a new cloud-based gaming service. So now you can purchase from Spherical's uh, Echoes, uh, an Echo Dot with a clock display, and you can also, and this is very interesting because now Alexa will uh, recognize children's voice and will reply with the children's uh, profile voice with special uh, features uh, and obviously some special restrictions uh, according to to I mean just to have the best content for for children with with I think it's kind of cool, especially if you're a parent and you have children that interact with with this technology, which is, I have seen many, many videos of children very, very, very uh, young uh, interacting with, uh, especially with Alexa, some of them with Siri, but most of them with Alexa just because also of the, a lot. I mean, because they have a lot of features that are uh, kid-friendly, okay? So also they launch a NACO, Echo Show 10, which has now a motorized base that is going to follow you and make the screen to face you at all times, that it resembles a lot to the 202 iMac V4 uh, commercial. Uh, it's kind of cool. Uh, the thing is that Amazon keeps moving forward into try to have an all-in-one device uh, where people can get the most out of it. You can do, uh, well, not FaceTime, you, you can do video calling, and uh, you can get recipes, you can play videos, you can do whatever, all inside the Amazon ecosystem, because obviously this is one of the main uh, bets they are going after nowadays. They also launch a cloud-based gaming platform, uh, which is called Luna, which is going to call, um, it, it's going to cost $599, uh, for early access users. And it's going to be available for 
the Fire TV, PC, Mac. It's going to be available through a web app uh, interface on iPhone. And Android support is going to be uh, coming later on. So this is just coming into play to compete with Apple, Google, and, and Microsoft, a platform for uh, cloud-based uh, gaming, which is going to be kind of interesting, right? Uh, Sony also has its own. So, uh, and last but not least, they launch a new device called the Rings Always Home Cam, which is uh, something just brought out of the movie Flover. Uh, I don't know if you remember that and Weibo, uh, but it's an in-house drone camera that it gets activated with the Rings alarm security system, and it flies to designated areas of the of the home whenever it gets activated, which is kind of awesome and uh, frightening at the same time. Uh, it would only record uh, video while, while flying. Um, and obviously you will, you will get access to a live feed to see just uh, whatever is going, it's happening at, at your home to see if there's an intruder or if it's just your cat having some friends coming over. And Ring mentioned that, I mean, they mentioned that the drone is intentionally loud so that you can hear it when it's flying over uh, because of concerns of, I mean, privacy concerns, okay? So you are going to be, I don't know, if you're naked around your home or whatever and it gets fired up, uh, you're going to hear it, hear it uh, humming through through the air on your home, which is, this is the frightening part. Um just to, I mean, just to be aware of of uh, of the device being recording the uh, videos. So this brings us to the main story of the of today's episode, which has to do with uh, the Amazon's approach to uh, uh, product development, product dash. Uh, service development. Uh, Amazon has been known for many things in the past, but one of the th most remarkable things, in my opinion, is that in the past 10, 15 years, uh, they have embraced the principle of the lean startup, right? So this is, I mean, as covered by, I don't know, authors like Eric Ries uh, in his book with the same name. Um, we could make a list of Amazon trials and mistakes in terms of products and services. Uh, and they rely, obviously, in one of the principles, which is having an MVP, a minimum viable product, okay? Which means just get the minimum version uh, possible for, usual, for your customer to, to test out the waters, okay? So that way you're not compromising too much of economic or human resources into developing a product that may not be market fit. Market fit is another is one is, is another uh, principle that they embraced by just getting the feedback from customers. So they launch the MVP, then they get the feedback from the users and the customers to improve it and to know if they're there with the uh, with with what the market needs. And if not the case, like I don't know if you remember Amazon Fire Phone, for example, Amazon Fire Phone was uh, the Amazon's bet on entering the smartphone uh, market uh, with no success at all. And what what they did was to back off. I mean, no, don't, no, don't, don't. I mean, don't worry. 
we have plenty more uh, business line. Uh, this is not the end of the world for us. This is what Amazon's uh, people uh, may think. And I mean, and they are right because obviously this very, uh, I mean, the, this same approach allows them to launch then, I don't know, Amazon Echoes. And when they launch it, they come up with something that the market needed, or maybe they don't necessarily, I mean, they don't explicitly need it, but they want it. I mean, it's just like testing out something that makes your life easier and better. And then they created a new market for smart speakers, even though that it was Apple that came first with the Siri as a personal assistant, digital assistant, and not Amazon's with Alexa. And Amazon is nowadays uh, the king of the smart speakers um, market. So, what, 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 I mean, the, the, the idea behind this is that this is a, an approach that it, it, it not only applies for for small companies or startups, it can be applied to any uh, size of a business. And it can also be uh, used by people, I mean, for personal brands, personal projects, whatever you, you may think. So how do Amazon, how does Amazon do this? So one of the main things is data. I mean, they have to deal with a lot of data. And you have to make sure that you understand the depth of that data, the depth, and how, and and how are you going to make sense of that? Because if not, you're going to. And there's a famous or, or infamous phrase called uh, or quote uh, that says uh, paralysis by analysis. Right. Um, the thing here is that you have to make sure and you have to filter which whatever data uh, makes them. I mean means the most for you. It's going to give you the best insights and take a lot of feedback from customers, okay? At the end, from customers. And if even before launching a product or service, you can just tap on uh, the market. I mean, market research is one of the main, main uh, uh, elements of marketing. Sometimes it's overused and some others are underused. I, I, in my experience, I think it's more of the second, especially when you have an, a structure that uh, keeps on moving without any, I mean, any time to stop. And this could happen with either a very small startup because you don't have time, you don't have money, and you have to run for your life, or you have a large company and you have money, but you don't have time. If you uh, get stuck behind, you can, I mean, it could be the, it could mean that it could be the difference between life and death because you, there you go. I mean, you have research in motion with BlackBerry. Uh, they were leaders in one segment. Uh, they didn't keep up the pace, and that cost them a lot. Okay, so a few examples of how Amazon have been gathering feedback from customers and just keep improving. Uh, you have the Amazon dash, dash bottom, you have Amazon Go, you have Amazon Key, Amazon Car Key. Uh, all those are services and products that they have launched just because they knew they were market fit. Some of them because they are all, also tapping 
into new fields like Amazon Go, into going into the physical uh, brick and mortar kind of retail experience uh, to gather more data. At the end of the day, what they want to achieve is to be as convenient as possible to their customers and to their users. And this is one of the key things and or the key insights when we analyze a company like Amazon. Okay, this is I mean this is not is not only because they are selling books. It's not only because they have a robust e-commerce empire. Uh, one of the most, I mean, largest share of their revenues comes from internet services with Amazon Web Services. So there's a lot behind uh, the company uh, that keeps running innovation for the sake of the users and customers' convenience, which is going to be key for every successful company. So I want to wrap up uh, each episode with reflections and dash or questions. And well, I, just to incentivate a little of a, a, a little bit of the critical thinking, uh, in this episode, I just had these two. So the first main reflection uh, should be uh, that trends come and, come and go. Good businesses deal with it and great businesses predict them. And this has to do a little bit with TikTok and a little bit with Amazon, uh, with the new trends, what are you doing? So nowadays, our home, it's more and more important to us, not only because it means, I mean, it's like the, for some of us, it may be the center of a life, but for, for a lot of people after the COVID pandemic has become our uh, headquarters. I mean, is where we live, is where we work, is is almost everything. Uh, is where we keep our most sacred things, uh, family members, etc. Okay, so predicting trends can give you a key competitive advantage, and this is something that we should all keep an eye on. Okay, and the next one, well, it's a question, and it has to do a lot with uh, the TikToks beef with the U.S. administration. And the question is, should governments take part into the availability of tech platforms from foreign countries in their, in their, in their soil? So, I mean, the U.S. administration should or should not uh, mine TikTok uh, operations in the U.S. And just keep in mind that while some people seem upset by Trump's uh, actions against TikTok, China's government has banned for several years uh, Facebook, Google, Apple's, and pretty much every foreign uh, uh, company uh, from doing businesses or to open or keep their operations uh, from abroad entering uh, China's uh, marketplace. So is this uh, reciprocal treatment or is just political retaliation? I don't know, let me know in 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 the comments, I mean. So on the next episode, I'm going to be talking about how we should be prepping up for the holiday season. I mean, this is going to be a non-traditional holiday season and shopping season uh, due to the COVID pandemic. And marketers should be prepared to uh, take on the opportunities that we have been presented in the in the past few uh, weeks and months and to be prepared to just tackle the situation with a new point of view.
So uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, please feel free to send me any comments about the content of the show. This is my MVP, my minimal viable product. Uh, so any suggestion to improve it is more than welcome. You can also leave me a voice message in Anchor. The link is going to be on the show notes. And if you like the show, please subscribe and review it on your preferred uh, podcast service. Uh, that would help me a lot. And you can subscribe, as I mentioned, on every platform, whatever you want. And you can also watch the recording of the episodes uh, of the podcast on the YouTube channel, which is going to be also in the show notes. It's going to be an audio marketer all across the, the internet. So thanks again for tuning in. Uh, see you on the next episode. And Lempi, out.